Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. All right. If you will, open up your Bibles this morning to Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 12. I'm continuing on where I began a couple of weeks ago uh, on this continued journey of faith that we're all walking in. And uh, as I was praying over y'all, this message was prepared for last weekend. And I do covet and appreciate um, all of your prayers last weekend. I kind of got attacked with a nasty flu bug or something last weekend. So I slept through church last Sunday. Shame on you, Pastor. I woke up just as Pastor Ron was saying amen. And, uh, but it was a good word. I got to go back and listen to it. Uh, so thank you, Pastor Ron, for filling in. I know you sit up here and complained about it or something, but <laughs> now I have full confidence in the, in the 11th hour when necessary. Pastor Ron is always ready, even though he had to come out of the woods. Amen. And I heard my name was thrown around a few times last week. Um, and I hope it was in love. Uh, so, uh, Hebrews chapter 12, let me pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for what it works in our life, what it produces. We're thankful for our personal revelation of Christ Jesus and all that he did for us. That religion will not save us, but a personal relationship, Father, with you. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, forever radically changes our life. And today, as we just uh, continue to talk about this journey of faith, today as we talk about victory uh, through faith, I pray uh, for just a fresh anointing upon your word as I read it and as I speak it. And declare, Father, that you alone are glorified in this house. So we give you all thanks and praise in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Amen. Hebrews chapter 12, going to begin reading with verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. Say amen to that. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastises every son whom he receives." So, as we look at this passage of Scripture for a moment, the first thing I want you to understand is Paul, uh, the writer of Hebrews, 
begins this chapter, and he's talking to believers, all right? So he's talking to you and I. He's exhorting. He's encouraging. He's challenging us uh, that since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, he says, let us lay aside every weight in this next one and sin which clings so closely. How many of you have had a little sin clinging closely since you were saved? The rest of you will, will have a salvation call at the end of the service, and you can respond appropriately. Nobody's perfect. Amen? Nobody is sinless or guiltless except Christ Jesus. He paid the ultimate price for us so that even through salvation, after salvation, by salvation, we walk out our walk of faith. And oftentimes, as we're walking out that walk of faith, we're having on the journey to repent for actions unbecoming to us as a believer. Because we're not perfect. We're being perfected, but perfection will come when you hear, well done, thou good and faithful. You will have achieved, you will have entered into the presence of God, and Jesus, uh, you will hear those words that I believe uh, you live your life to hear, and that is well done. Well done, thou good and faithful. But until then, we have to walk on this journey, and we have to overcome, and he says, and let us run the, uh, with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. I don't think you can ever preach faith too much. Because if there's one thing the enemy would like to destroy and take away from you is your faith. Do you hear me? Every attack of the enemy, every time you wonder, every time you read a scripture and you go, God, I don't get it, or I don't understand it, or something happens in a loved one's life, someone goes to be with Jesus before you think it should be their time, you go through something physically, you go through something in your marriage, you go through something financially, and you find yourself questioning and wondering, where is God in this? Anybody besides myself ever thought that? Where is God in this? Why did this happen? I can, I can tell you one of the best things you can do in your walk of faith is flush down the toilet the questions why and what. Because there are some things we will never understand this side of heaven. There are, there are battles that we go through. There are struggles. The other day I was leaving hospice and um, one of the doctors in our church was walking in. I was sitting in my car sending a text and I looked up and one of our precious uh, doctors was walking in uh, out of his car towards hospice. I rolled down my window and he's a pediatrician, oncology. And I said, hey, what are you doing here? I thought maybe he was coming to visit the same person I was visiting. He said, oh, I'm here 
to visit a patient. I said, hold it, doc. Aren't, aren't your patients all babies? And he looked at me, and he said, he's two years old. Wow. There are no answers to those questions. Little boy with a brain tumor. Doc says, I, I've done everything we know how to do. We've prayed, we've stood, we've given all the medicines, we've treated every way possible. A medicine that worked for some children didn't work for him. You can be overwhelmed by that. Amen? I mean, I can't imagine. And yet, our faith has to come to the place where we don't waver. Because we believe with all of our heart that as bad and as difficult as this is, this child will live in the presence of Jesus for eternity. Your loved one, if they've gone before you, they're in the presence of the Lord. And I promise you, if we had an opportunity to speak to them, I have a little plaque in my office. I don't know who gave it to me, but it's in my office at the house. And it says, I wish heaven had visiting hours. <laughs> the problem is, if you went to visit, you ain't coming back. There's nothing here. You say, well, maybe there is, my children, my grandchildren, whatever. But I'm telling you, in the presence of the Lord, I don't think anybody's coming back. I've all, always told those, my uh, anesthesiologists, is that what you call them? When they put you to sleep? I've always told them, listen, I don't wake up easy, so go light. You know, if you start sticking something in me and I start twitching, then maybe give me a little more. But, but don't give me too much up front. I said, because I start seeing the light. And sometimes I think I, I hear my sister going, come on. And I'm going, not yet, sis. <laughs> not yet. But the reality that we walk in faith. And whatever we're going through in our journey, it literally is a battle to keep that which God... You see, first of all, faith was given to you as a seed. It's a gift of God. Nobody in this room that has raised their hand or prayed the prayer of faith, surrendered your heart, soul, mind, and body to the Lord Jesus Christ ever did that because you woke up and thought it was a good idea. Now, you might have woke up and thought it was a good idea, because it was, but it was because the Father, by the Holy Spirit, had already dropped the seed of faith into your heart so that you would begin to come to the realization you need Jesus in your life. Amen? So we're not just getting saved. If we did, we'd find a way to convince everybody to salvation. But everybody that has that seed dropped doesn't respond to Christ. They might respond to their religion or something else. But when you surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ, what happens is by faith, you pray a prayer, you receive a God that you've never seen, you believe in a Christ that you've only read about, and you sense a presence in you. Sometimes your heart beats fast, sometimes your knees shake, sometimes you cry uncontrollably, sometimes none of that happens but you know you need Jesus. Amen. 
and you respond. You pray the prayer of faith. Maybe it's in a church service like today, or maybe it's at home. Maybe it's when you're driving down the road. Maybe you're listening to a podcast. Maybe God uses whatever he wanted to use to bring you to the place of acknowledging him. That's the beginning of your walk with Christ Jesus. Say amen to that. That's the beginning. It's not the end. Salvation now. Paul Paul said we walk out our salvation. How do we walk it out? We walk it out in faith. That's why it's so radically important as we continually encourage you to get in the Word and get the Word in you and pray the Word and speak the Word and declare the Word, that you do that way above and beyond your amount of hours watching television, doing social media, or anything else that would rob you of a fresh walk with the Lord. Social media can be good, can be really bad. The internet can be powerful or a curse. But the Word of God never changes. So when you make that commitment to the Word, you go to the Word, you declare the Word, you speak the Word, sometimes it's a total by faith until Holy Spirit just gives you a freshness, a revelation. How many of you have followed any of the news out about the revival that started at Asbury College? Let me see your hand. It's an awesome thing. And there are sparks of it happening all over America right now. In other colleges. Matter of fact, this morning I read where they had officially moved the revival off of Asbury College into the community. And then interesting, the person that was writing the article was reiterating the testimony of those from 53 years ago that were in the original Asbury Revival as they talked about how they finally came to a point where they had to move the meetings and the gatherings off the college into the community, which began to spark all over America. Anybody get saved during the Jesus Movement 1971 to 76? There's quite a few people that have been deeply impacted. There was a movie uh, that just came out called The Jesus Revolution, uh, Suzanne and I went and saw it the other night with Pastor Ed and Karen and Franco and Mary Lou and Miss Chris. And uh, it's, it's a powerful uh, story of what took place back in the early 70s in California with Chuck Smith and the uh, hippie movement. How many of you were hippies? Let me see all you short hair ex-hippies. <laughs> Yeah, you still are at heart. You just can't grow the hair anymore. <laughs> I didn't really say that, did I? Oscar and Pastor Tad have proved me wrong. They just, they're, they're, they're going back to the, well, Tad's way too young to have been a hippie. But the, uh, the Jesus Revolution uh, movie really portrayed Chuck Smith, who is a pastor at Calvary Chapel in California. And uh, his church was was just literally dying. There were a handful of older people there. And, um, 
and his daughter uh, had become a little bit rebellious against dead religion, and uh, she stormed out of the out of her, their living room, uh, saying to uh, her mom and dad, when they asked, where are you going? And she said, I'm going out to do drugs and hook up with hippies. <laughs> because all the conversation was about what was going on at that time, the news, the hippie movement all over America. And, um, and she's driving down the road and passes a hippie and stops and picks him up and takes some uh, to his, her parents' house where they spent all night talking and this guy had a passion for Jesus Christ. And the next day when the dad comes out, Chuck Smith comes out and he realizes his hippie's been in his house all night, he kind of freaks out um, until he starts in a conversation and Holy Spirit used this young man to open his eyes to unconditional true love and was willing at the cost of probably his job, his career, his profession as a pastor of this dying church um, to open up the door and let the hippies in. How many of you were in church during the hippie stage, whether you were a hippie or not? Wow, the vast majority of you are young in the Lord, obviously. Uh, but the hippies, uh, when they came, when they began to scatter across America, most of them barefooted in jeans with holes in them. I think we're going back to that today. <laughs> Ex except our kids pay a whole lot of money to get what those kids wore because their jeans just literally were wearing out. Uh, but hippie vests and beads and long hair and an attitude. But interestingly, that God used that to bring a revival in America that was desperately needed. And it spread across the country. Today, what's going on, I have no desire to copycat what anybody else has. But I believe that Holy Spirit is the same Holy Spirit that moves across the country and moves across the nations of the world. And what he's desiring to do all across the face of the earth. Matter of fact, I believe, I was telling Francis Infuso this when we were together a couple of weeks ago. Francis, Francis loves revival. He loves to study revival. And he's believing for a great revival in our country. And, and we were talking and, and I said, Francis, my desire is to see a move of God that no man can take credit for. And people don't get weird over and start trying to make things happen. You see, a true revival is when the hearts of fathers are returned to their sons and sons are returned to their fathers. That's true revival. Salvation. And one of the things for those of you that uh, went online and maybe watched some live streaming of what was going on in Asbury, it was just simply the presence of God had filled the place and nobody was wanting to leave. People were hungering for God, crying out for God. People that had been saved wanting a freshness that maybe they had never experienced before. People getting saved. People hungering for his presence. I don't think we have to go to Kentucky to experience that. 
I believe that when we get hungry for God like that, it can happen at home in your closet. It can happen in your office. It can happen in your car. It can happen with your family. It can happen in the Rock of Gainesville where we cry out. Because that kind of move of God strengthens our faith to the point where you will not grow weary or faint-hearted in your walk. See, victory through faith simply means you come to the realization, the understanding. And I said this two weeks ago, you can't experience victory without a battle. Amen? So we go through battles not because God has forsaken us, but because God is allowing us to be tested. I don't like being tested. (laughs) You will never find out what your true faith is without testing, without sometimes the fire of God burning things out of your life. When I shared uh, the beginning of my journey three years and five months ago over on the South Campus on Sunday night, November the 14th, I believe it was, I was trying, Suzanne and I had prayed, the last thing we wanted to do was walk in and share this devastating news and everybody falls apart and we just cry our eyes out and then I go home and die. That was what we didn't want. So I asked Holy Spirit, help me to share the the story, the beginning of the journey, but help me to share it in faith. And, And in the midst of that, me sharing that, I felt faith rise up around me in this house. You stood with me. You prayed with me. You did the things I asked you to do. You began to declare the word of the Lord over my life in this journey. Journey's not over. Your journey's not over. All of us in this room are walking a walk of faith today in something in our lives that requires us to continually run back to the place of faith. This week, uh, earlier in the week, I had um, blood work done here by my oncologist, Dr. Badia, and I asked him to do an M-spike check since we were leaving today to go to Arkansas, and I was going to go through all these testing uh, Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. I said, I'd just like to know, because I'd share with y'all, I had to come off one of the medications, one of the chemos, because of a conflict with the insurance company, and I didn't have $9,500 every 21 days to pay for this one pill. Every 21 days. Maybe Trump, Elon Musk can afford that, but pretty much I don't know anybody else that can afford uh, that for one pill. I looked at that last pill I took uh, before, during this process a few, uh, about seven weeks ago. And I said, Lord, you are not limited to this pill. Amen? Now, in the natural, I have to be honest, in the natural, I had to fight, are my numbers going to shoot back up if I come off this medication? So, that was seven weeks ago, and I've had two M-spike checks 
And the first one, which was about four weeks ago, my M-spike dropped from 0.16 to 0.12. Amen? So, so this week, after being off of it now for seven weeks, I was like, all right, I still I feel good. I believe I'm walking this out. But man, I want science to prove what I believe in my heart. So when I asked Dr. Badia to run the test, he did. And Friday, uh, or Saturday, I don't re- Friday, I think, um, he sent me a text with a thumbs up and a picture of the M spike literally from back in 2021. And so my latest one went from 0.12 to 0.10. Amen. So, so I might be totally wrong on this, but I think the 0.12, I think the 2 is 100th. JR, am I right or wrong? 0.12. So, is what? Two one hundredths. Is that right? Is that what I'm hearing? That doesn't seem like much. <laughs> but for two years, it, it started out at just under uh, 0.2. And so for almost two years, it slowly, slowly, slowly dropping down. Because you see, when it goes from 0.0 or 0.10 to 0.0 is when they will say that I'm officially in remission. Well, remission's good, but that's not my end result either. Amen? It's called total healing, complete healing. But zero would be a really good place to land. On your journey, what is your zero? So I can talk about mine. I understand mine. But everybody in this room also has a journey that you're on, a journey of faith, that ultimately the end is you want to walk victorious in your faith. Amen? The end result is you want victory. When I stood up at the service and announce what was going on, I ended by saying, big battle, bigger victory. And just have proclaimed that. That has been one of the four words that stay in my thought process. That on my way to victory, we got to go through some battles. I mean, just the battle to fly to Little Rock every six months. Thank God it's no longer every four months. It's, it's $1,614 for two airline tickets to fly two 50-minute flights. That's ridiculous to me. But so is driving 16 hours to get to Little Rock. So there's a price to pay. There's a process that I go through, that you go through, all of us go through when we're walking towards victory in our lives. And some of us will walk a whole lifetime and maybe never see the answer to what we've been believing for. You say, well, pastor, that doesn't sound like exciting victory and faith to me. 
But if you go to Hebrews chapter 11, there's whole verses of those who believed and yet did not see. But it was accounted to them for righteousness because they stood in faith. Amen? Sometimes you just keep walking in faith no matter what it looks like in the natural. You've got to resist giving up. Let me read you. I read this last week or two weeks ago. Romans chapter 4, just a couple of verses here. Romans chapter 4, verse 18. Before I read it, just if you're jotting notes, you jot these down for yourself. The bigger my battle, the bigger my victory. You say, but hold it, Pastor, you just got through saying I might walk in faith throughout this whole time. It doesn't mean that because you haven't seen the answer that you're not walking in victory. Ooh, that's good right there. Some of y'all get that about 3.30 this afternoon when you wake up from your nap. Doesn't mean that you lose out on your faith in it or even your victory in it because you're walking believing let me ask you a question. Anybody think Abraham saw so many children that he couldn't even count them? They were lo- like looking up at the stars or looking at the beach. But did he get them all? They're still multiplying today. Father Abraham had many sons. Both natural, Jewish, and both spiritual, you and I. Yesterday, I walked in the bathroom, and there was a little shell um, upside down um, on our, in our bathroom on our counter. <laughs> and a uh, little tiny shell, I mean like that big. And the back of it had had some kind of little covering. And somehow, Suzanne and I either want, I mean, we, we're like... I, you put this here? I didn't put this. I, I don't, we don't know how the little shell got there. But it had dumped. I, I'm talking a little shell. But it had dumped upside down. And all of a sudden I looked and there was just a little pile of sand. And I spread it out with my finger. I mean, it, it, it grew to like the size of a quarter. And I'm looking at it and I'm thinking, I cannot count each one of those little Grains, thank you, of sand. And I eventually, you know, got them into my hand and dumped them in the toilet, flushed the toilet, and the little sand disappeared. But that sand for Abraham represented a promise that he would only see in heaven. But nevertheless, the promise was real. It was real. You see, today, if you have a heart and a passion to pursue God, I promise you, you've already had a promise dropped into your heart. Maybe it's about your marriage. Maybe it's about your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. Maybe it's about a career change. Maybe it's about a, a uh, whatever. Whatever your mind, whatever you are on your journey, there is a promise of God. And you have to come to a place where you're going to decide 
I'm going to believe that promise no matter what I see in the natural. Amen? And you will be tested whether you can stand and believe or not. So what do you have to do to keep that faith to where you believe? Let me read. Romans 4, verse 18. Talking about Abraham. In hope, he believed against hope. That he should become the father of many nations as he had been told. You know why you need to be in the word of God so much? Because God will speak to you in his word the same way he spoke to Abraham. Amen, pastor. That's good right there. That is good. He's not just blowing in the wind or speaking randomly. God speaks to us through his word. So you get in that word and you hear what God says, and you don't lose hope. Verse 19, he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was good as dead since he was 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. Verse 20, this, this you need to circle and memorize Set it to a place in your heart. So no unbelief made him waver concerning the promises of God. <laughs> no unbelief. What do you got to do to get to that place where against all odds in the natural, it looks like, wow, there's no hope. But you hope anyhow. That's faith. Against all odds, when in the natural, it looks impossible, you settle in your heart, God said it, I believe it, therefore it is so. God said it. I believe it. Therefore, whatever the enemy uses to come against me, I'm choosing faith over the lie. I'm, I'm going to declare the word over my circumstance. What is your circumstance? What is it that you're walking through? What, what promise has the Lord given you? Hear me. Don't grow weary. Don't grow weary. Is it for a child? A son? A daughter? Someone who knows the truth, but somehow they are way out in Never Never Land. Man, don't lose faith in the promises of God to save your children. Grab hold. Grab hold. And when things happen in the natural that seem to want to attack your mind, you got to go back to, and I say this to parents all the time who call me, Pastor, please pray with me over my daughter. Please pray over my son. And I say, don't lose faith and love unconditionally. How many of you got somebody like that in your life that's hard to love, <laughs> much less unconditionally? Don't raise your hand. It's okay. <laughs> Everybody knows somebody. It's like, God, <laughs> please save them before I kill them. <laughs> I did not say that. 
But you got to believe. And what do you believe in? You got to go back to that word. Because you can't just feel the belief. You got to speak it. You got to know it. You got to declare it. What is God saying? Listen to this, verse 21. And I'm going to start closing here. Somebody can come to the keyboard. Fully convinced. Wow. Look up there. Fully convinced that God was able to do what he promised. Fully convinced. In my journey, every single day, I remind myself of the promises of God's word. I speak promises over our children, over my grandchildren. Lord, whatever it takes, I don't want to lose any of my kids. I don't want to go to heaven and God has to wipe the tears and the memory away of a grandchild who's wandered away. No, no, I'm going to fight with all I got to believe that the promises of God will not fail. And his unconditional love would touch and draw. You have a brother, a sister today, a, a mom or dad, son or daughter that's not walking in faith? You have got to know how to fight the good fight of faith. Because if you're not fighting for their salvation, who is? If you've grown weary and quit, who's fighting for your lost loved one? Promises victory, but through faith. And as we set ourselves out to stand in agreement with his word, we make the decision, I'm going to speak God's word. Let me give you one. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. For everyone who has been born of God, everyone who has been born of God, overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. What is it? Our faith. My faith. Your faith. What is it that you need to not quit? Faith, trust, hope, in God Almighty. Can you say amen to that? Would you bow your head for just a moment? I want to speak to anyone in this room who does not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Or maybe you're watching online on a podcast this week, listening. Or you're watching today, sitting in this room. You don't have faith in God yet. You don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But something is stirring inside of you today. Your religion is not enough. What you need is to know God. And Jesus said that to know him is eternal life. So you can begin to experience that wonderful gift of eternal life right here and now today. If you will surrender your life to Jesus the Christ the Son of God. Jesus came, he paid the price, he died a horrible death, 
He went to the grave and he was resurrected and today he's at the right hand of the Father and he's praying for you that the gift that he gave you through his death and resurrection you will receive. You will come to the Father through the only door which is Jesus the Christ. He loves you today. Doesn't matter what you've done in your past. Doesn't matter what sins you've committed. Jesus paid the price for all of that. And he loves you so much. And with every head bowed and believers are praying for you right now, those of you watching online, you can respond as well. You can text or call in. But today, Jesus is knocking at your heart's door. And all it takes, because a seed of faith has been dropped in your heart, you can respond and say, Lord, today I need you to be my Savior. Right where you're sitting, you can come into the kingdom and know the love of the Father. He loves you so dearly. So with every head bowed and believers are praying this morning, if that's you in this congregation, would you just simply hold up your hand and let me see it and acknowledge it. And in just a moment, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. We're going to invite Jesus to be Lord of your life. If that's you this morning, lift up your hand. Let me see it. Acknowledge that Jesus, yes, dear, God bless you. God bless you. Amen. Who else? Today, this is your day. This is your opportunity. Jesus loves you so much. He brought you here today to hear this message. Yes, sir. God bless you so much. You can put it down once I see it. Thank you. Today, today Jesus is tapping at your heart. Boy, does he love you. If that's you, want to join these that have raised their hand. Just lift it up. We'll wait just one more minute. God bless you. Yes, thank you. God bless you. Yes, thank you, both of you. Father, thank you so much. Jesus came into my heart a few years ago. I was eight. And I'm telling you today, it's as fresh today in my life as it was the day I ran down to that altar and asked him to become Lord of my life. Man, his love is amazing. Anyone else this morning before I pray? All right, I'm going to invite all of you to stand, if you will. I'm going to invite everyone in this room to pray this prayer with me. And those of you, those four of you that responded, maybe you didn't raise your hand. You pray this prayer with us today. One day you can respond or come to a pastor or just some leader in this house and say, hey, I, I prayed that prayer today in faith. Because the word says that we will confess with our mouth and believe in our heart. We're not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We enter into that place of salvation. So pray this prayer with me today. Father God, I come in the name of your son, Jesus. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. I need Jesus to be my savior and to be my Lord. So I confess my sin. I acknowledge that it has been a part of my past. But today, I'm choosing you, Jesus. Come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. I choose to walk with you. 
and to serve you all the days of my life. I pray this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a praise this morning. Amen, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.